Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I am your host, Paul Marquis, and thank you so much for uh, for coming back and following Ortho Eval Pal. I'm having a blast with this. Um, today, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, kind of pointers uh, on evaluating lumbar spinal stenosis. Now, recently, I was going through all of our great comments and, and, and questions about, you know, all of the different things that we're doing. And uh, Ian, this one is for you. Ian asked, can you make a, a YouTube video regarding regarding hyperlordosis of the lumbar spine. So I thought today what I would do is uh, jump right into an evaluation on um, how to, you know, of the spinal stenosis of the lumbar spine. We'll talk about the evaluation. We'll do, the next podcast will be how do you treat it? And then uh, soon enough, I will be doing a webinar actually specific on lumbar um, lordosis and how to manage spinal stenosis type uh, issues. And there'll be explanation and you'll see me in there. We're going to show you all the exercises that I like to use. Uh, when treating um, uh, spinal stenosis. So, um, but before we do that, I'd like to uh, just take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor. Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A main doctor and the company he founded, Mainly Technology Group, have created a high-tech, all-terrain, chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider Sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days, thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EasyGliderSocks.com. That's EasyGliderSocks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. So before we uh, get going here, um, I guess the one thing I want to talk about today is, you know, spinal stenosis can be very, very complicated. It can look complicated. It can sound complicated. And you can look at MRIs and x-rays and, and they can sound complicated. I am going to simplify this for you today. There are some very easy questions you can ask your patient to identify if they have lumbar spinal stenosis. Today, we are going to be talking about foraminal stenosis, not necessarily central cord stenosis. Okay. So we'll be talking about the foramen where the nerve roots kind of come out from the lumbar spine. Um, usually we have most of the problems between L3 and 4, 4 and 5 S and L5 and S1. So one of the common complaints is that patients will say, I walk a distance, I get pain in my back that migrates down into my legs. And this could be one leg or it can be both, okay? This is one of those situations where if you're getting discomfort down both legs and you think it's ridiculous, think it's coming from the back, it's very likely to be spinal stenosis, okay? Very, very seldomly do people just have an isolated uh, herniated disc and have pain down both legs. That's usually unilateral, okay? So um, typically it goes down both. Now, they'll say this happens mostly with standing and walking. All right. And then the next question I will ask is, okay, so you, how far can you walk? And they'll say, well, I can walk about 250 feet. And then I'll say, do you have to sit down? And when you sit, does it give you relief? And they say, yes. And then they'll typically end up saying, then I can get back up and I can walk another 200 feet, but then I got to stop again, sit down, rest a little bit, and then I can keep going. So that is classic um, neurogenic claudication. Okay. So very, very classic. So I always ask this question, you know, when I'm suspicious of 
they have spinal stenosis. I say when you go to the grocery store, you go to Walmart or something like that. Do you um, can you get around the store just carrying a basket, or are you dependent on using a cart? that you're bent over. And they'll typically say if they have spinal stenosis, they'll say, oh gosh, if I had a cart, I could walk all day long. Um, but I uh, grab a basket and I can't get to the produce area, which is right at the beginning of the store. And I have to sit down or I have to bend over to get some relief. So I always ask the cart in the basket question. It's classic. I'll do it. Everybody that has back pain. Um, and it really helps to tease those out or it helps to, you know, uh, let us know what it is. So Typically, what are the objective findings with people with spinal stenosis? All right. They most commonly have an increased lumbar lordosis. Now, when I first started talking about the lumbar spine in some of our podcasts, we just went into the anatomy. And so let's just go back into this a little bit. When your back and your lumbar spine goes into extension, what happens? Okay. Um, you compress the facets on both sides. And if those facets are getting smaller or they're just, they're compressing more, the, uh, the disc is also maybe getting a little bit smaller. Then the foramen on each side, um, will start to close up. Okay. And start to uh, encroach on the uh, nerve roots coming out of the uh, spine. And so, um, you typically, you, you'll find some relief with these people if you just put them into flexion. You say, okay, bend over and try to touch your toes. And they say, oh, that feels good. You know, there's no problem with that. Then you have them stand up and you have them try to extend. And as soon as they start to extend, they just really don't feel comfortable. They get this pressure in their low back, sometimes even a little bit of radiating pain down the legs and or paresthesias down into the legs. Now, remember this, okay? If you're going to learn anything through this podcast today, I want this to be one of the key points. It is extremely, extremely common to have hip arthritis along with spinal stenosis. Okay. So people who have spinal stenosis probably also have some hip arthritis. Now, why do I bring this up? Many, many people out there get treated for lumbar spine discomfort for a long time. And I had this happen not too long ago where somebody had uh, two years of treatment and, and they spent a considerable amount of money, had all kinds of testing, they had therapy, they had chiropractic care, they had all kinds of stuff done just to find out that in five minutes, we identified that the patient had a, a severe hip arthritis, um, had the hip replacement and all the back pain went away. Okay. So that hip can really irradiate pain to the back, uh, can and refer pain to like the SI joint region. And so if the hip does not extend very well, it forces the pelvis into an anterior pelvic tilt. So when you go into an anterior pelvic tilt, the lumbar spine goes into hyperlordosis, therefore shutting off the uh, nerve roots that are going into the legs. Okay. So what I have with these, uh, what I do with these folks is I have them walk in the clinic here. So I say, okay, I want you to walk down to the end of the clinic and back. Our clinic's about 140 feet long one way. Um, so I say, walk down to the end of the clinic uh, and back, but keep your shoulders back and stand upright. And so they'll get walking. And sometimes you will, um, you'll notice that their legs might get a little sloppy. And while I'm thinking of this, I have a video of somebody who, who has this. Uh, I'll attach it in the links of this, of this uh, podcast. And so uh, you can watch a video of somebody with neurogenic claudication. So they'll start walking. Their, their feet might start to slap a little funny. They may become a little incoordinated. They'll actually take a wider base of support when they're walking to support themselves better because they feel like they may lose their balance. And they start to have some symptoms. They start to have some back pain, pain going down the legs. Sometimes it doesn't take very long. So I'll have them do a couple trips like that. And then I'll say, all right, I want you to bend forward. So I have them slouch forward, kind of like 
a quarter flexion, you know, a quarter forward flexed, and I'll have them walk like that. I know it looks awkward, but they'll say, yeah, I'm fine like this. I can walk all day. So that helps to diagnose that they have a spinal stenosis and neurogenic claudication. Now, when you're evaluating the patient, you want to do a lower quadrant screen, right? Be careful. This is the other point that I want you to really remember today. You sit them on the edge of the table and you go to do their reflexes. You test L4 at their knees and you test S1 at their ankles and you find out those look normal. Then you might do a sitting straight leg raise test and they don't have any ridiculous symptoms going on the leg. Um, Then you might check the sensation and they're perfectly fine and you check their distal muscle strength and they're perfectly fine. And then you say to yourself, well, they don't have a nerve root problem. What you need to remember here is that they are sitting. And when they are sitting, the foramen are opened up. You're not getting any nerve root compression. So you're not going to get any of these classic signs and symptoms of a nerve root compression problem. All right. So you can't just use those lower quadrant tests, um, you know, to test the patient. What would be interesting, though, this would be a great study, is you take the patient, you have them lie down on their back and let their legs hang off the table and then test them in that position while their spine is in relative extension. That may be interesting to do to see if there's those signs and symptoms kind of creep up while they're being compressed. So maybe something, if anybody's interested in doing a study, give me a call. Um, So that's very, very common. Um, The other thing I like to do with these folks, I like to put them on their stomach and I like to do a PA mobilization of their thoracic spine. I like to just give that downward pressure and see how rigid that spine is. A considerable number of people with spinal stenosis have a very, very rigid thoracic spine. So what happens is if they can't extend the thoracic spine very well segmentally, then you end up hinging at the low back. So just imagine taking the spine, putting a two by four on it and nailing it to the spine so that nothing can move but the lower lumbar segment. You send that patient into extension and the the hinging happens all at the lower lumbar spine region. This is very, very common. So there's a compensation that happens there. All right. So. Um, I look at hip flexor tightness. Remember, tight hip flexors bring you into an anterior pelvic tilt that puts you into hyperlordosis of the lumbar spine. I look at glute weakness. Okay, that will also allow the the pelvis to roll into anterior pelvic tilt. I look at abdominal strength, you know, or the size of their abdomen. If they have a large abdomen, that can bring them into hyperlordosis. A pregnant woman um, could bring them themselves into hyperlordosis like that. So things to consider, um, you know, when you look at these folks. So a ton of information on the evaluation, but remember the two pointers, okay? If somebody's sitting down and you do a low quadrant screening, um, that could be an issue. The signs may not just jump out at you. Um, and, you know, remember the the, the common complaints, uh, you know, they, they stand up straight, they walk, or they stand for a period of time, and they, they get the pain, you flex them, they feel better. That tells you something, okay? That really drives you in the direction of spinal stenosis. Now, in the next episode, we're going to talk about treatment of these particular signs and symptoms, these particular problems, the hyperlordosis. Um, We're going to look at the weaknesses. We're going to look at the tightnesses, and we're going to talk about addressing those. And then soon to follow will be a webinar, uh, which we're going to be starting a a webinar series through OrthoEvalPal. They're going to be like, I would say, 20 to 30-minute webinars 
very educational um, and uh, for a very low price, uh, but you're going to get a lot of content and uh, it's going to be me uh, showing you all of this stuff so that you can uh, not just listen to it on a podcast, but you can take some time aside and uh, go through this and it's all going to just really piece this all together. Okay. So again, folks, thank you for uh, listening. I want you to stay tuned for the next episode because we're going to talk about treating these uh, lumbar spine issues. I'm going to throw in a couple of videos of some patients that I have. Um, um, and some interesting videos of people with uh, neurogenic claudication so that you can kind of see how they present and what they look like. So thank you so much. If you have any questions, would like to make any comments or like Ian, uh, put in a request for something and, um, you know, send it to orthoevalpal.com, go to our get in touch page, and um, I will uh, review those as soon as I can and uh, hopefully put up uh, good content for you. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, Go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.